how important is equality for you? How important is justice for you? And right now, if that was tested, I think those numbers would be way up there. They'd be way high. So I think that when you look at the values that were tested, right, like patriotism and having children, maybe those values are on the low. But values that weren't even on our radar back then are right now at an all-time high. And and again, I, I think that that speaks volume. So from these polls, yes, it looks like an angry, lonely, expensive world. <laughs> but maybe it's a world that's striving for something different. Mm. It's not better or worse, but maybe it's a world striving for something different. My name is Adela Kochav. And I'm Mari Mwaba. We are the Daughters of Diaspora. And this is Americanish. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the season finale of season three of Americanish. We have a lot of things to get to today, but first, I want to start with some news. Mariam will be leaving us. She's moving to a new city, and it's bittersweet. But Mariam, how are you feeling about this? When you put it that way, it kind of freaking sucks. Like <laughs> I, it feels like I'm dying or something. Um, how am I feeling? I'm feeling anxious, nervous, excited, probably every emotion kind of like compiled into one ball of complicated emotions. Um, If I had to pick one, I would definitely be uh, nostalgic for New York. This has been my home for the last 15, 17 years. Um, So I'm definitely missing New York. I think I had pizza four or five times last week, like back to back, because I know in DC where I'm going to be, like they're going to serve some BS and pretend like it's pizza and I'm not about it. So um, I'm excited. It's a new chapter of life. What are you most excited for? Like, what's been on your mind in terms of this move? I mean, definitely, like, trying all the food in this new city, uh, meeting some new people. I have a lot of friends in D.C., so getting to reconnect with them and getting to, uh, like, re reignite some old friendships. Um, one thing I'm really thinking about recently, and I was talking to my friend Mina about this just the other day, is uh, building community and finding community. Um it's been a topic that's been on my mind for the last couple of years. We obviously talk about community on this show very, very frequently. This is like a community propaganda uh, <laughs> platform, but uh, it's it's really meaningful. And I'm sure other people, as they get into like their 20s, mid 20s, late 20s, like community becomes a big part of what you look for when you're trying to find your roots or rather establish your roots. Um, so I'm excited to see what communities exist and which ones I can build. I think I think that's a really good point. Like when you are an adult and you move to a new city, you have to make new adult friends. Right. And and that's such a crazy thing to think about when you just like take yourself and your life and then you plop yourself somewhere else and it's like, oh, I have to build a community here. So what do you look for in terms of community? What is a community? What a loaded question. Um, when I was searching for a new apartment in D.C., one of the things that I would always check after I like liked the pictures, I set up a tour, all that good stuff was like try to find the closest Coptic church. And I got so lucky with this new place because it's a five minute walk from a Coptic church. Walk, not even drive. Mm. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And as I'm sure you know and our listeners know, like that's a thing a lot of people do, whatever your faith background is, whether you're Jewish, Christian, Muslim, any other you know, faith background, a lot of our parents have done or what we do now is like find a place to live and then search like nearest Coptic community or nearest mosque. Do you guys do that too? Yeah. I mean, that's why like the Upper East Side is full of Sephardic Jews. There's nothing wrong with the Upper West. The Upper West is fine. But if you're on the East Side, you have Safra Synagogue, Safra Center. That's where you have the Jewish community centers for the Sephardic world. You have the Moroccan Synagogue. So most Sephardic Jews end up on the Upper East Side because of that religious focus. And 
I feel like being part of a religious group is kind of a cheat code when it comes yeah. to building community. I have a friend. Her name's Nikki. Nikki, if you're listening to this, hi, what's up? And she's originally from Kenya. So she's um, also a daughter of diaspora, grew up in Jersey. We went to NYU together. And she moved to Austin for work. And she called me her first week and she was like, okay, I'm an adult. How do I make adult friends? Yeah, it's a real and question. It's a real question. And I was like, if I was in your position, I would like find a synagogue and like, I don't know, start there. She's like, so you want me to walk into a church in Texas? <laughs> and I was like, I, I guess not. <laughs> I don't know how it works for you guys. But um, it, it's it's really this, this big idea. And really that has me thinking of the Wall Street Journal poll. Um, for everyone who isn't aware, Wall Street Journal did a poll from 1998 to 2019 to 2023, measuring six different values here in America and how those have changed. And to give a general overview, pretty much all of them have dropped except for money, which was steadily on the uprise. And um, community specifically, the value of having a community went from about 60% of people thinking it's important to 40%, which is a 20 percentage point difference. Right. And um, that tells me that people aren't searching for community anymore, um, which which to me is concerning. What, what do you think about this? Um, I think that poll, and we'll go through all the aspects of it, has sparked some really interesting conversations and really interesting debates and, and things we need to be actively talking about with our own communities and, and with everybody else on social media, I guess. Um, what do I make of the community dip? Um, and it's a big dip, and it's mm -hmm. a really concerning dip. Um, I think it's hard to look at one of the poll samples um, in a vacuum. Like, mm -hmm. we have to look at all of them together. So there's the poll about religion, and I'll actually pull it up just so we're, we know what we're talking about. Um, so it looks like the values of patriotism are down by over 30 points, religion by over 20 points, having children by another 30 points, and all these things again, do not exist in a vacuum. So the value of religion dropping almost 30, 20 points is heavily related to why community has also dropped almost 20 points. Do you see that correlation as well? Yeah, and that's that's actually very interesting because when I was first looking at the results, it made a lot of sense to me that religion was down, right? That made perfect sense. A right. lot of people these days, and, and you know, we talk about this all the time, they don't really center their lives around religion anymore. But what I expected was for religion to be down and for community to be up. Hmm. Because in my mind, what I always think is people are replacing religion with other forms of community organizing. Right. What do you rally around? What becomes your people? Hmm. If it's not your faith, it's something else, right? But the fact that religion is down, but community is also down, just tells me people want to be alone. <laughs> and that's really sad. That's really sad. It's not even, well, I don't want to be with other religious people. It's I. It's not important for me to find a community. And, and I think that that's why the community has been the biggest, uh, like, mic drop surprise hmm. hole for me. Because when you do take it all um, into account, when every single value goes down, except for the value of money, then it just tells me it's all about individualism and how can I better my own position as right. opposed to let me build something where I'm with like-minded people. Hmm. Everyone should be concerned that we don't want to build community. I'll, I'll push back against you a little bit because I think community going down, I 1,000% agree that it has some sort of correlation with the value of religion going mm -hmm. down. But I do think that we don't really know what community is anymore because it's mm -hmm. changed and evolved so much and we have to almost define it for ourselves. Like, yeah. What community looks for me as a Coptic Christian living in New York or now D.C. by the time people see this, like, I, I don't know what community means. And you almost have to, like, dissect your uh, 
different layers of your identity. Peel back the onion. Am I going to be in a community that focuses around who I am as a woman? Am I going to be in a community that focuses around what I do for a living? Am I going to be in a Coptic community? Like all these things really, you have to pick one almost to find a community. And the challenge is finding a community that will accept all parts of you and see all parts of you. And I think because we are all so unique and different and multi-layered that's become really hard like yeah. an lgbtq person can't necessarily go to a church or a synagogue or a mosque and know 1000 percent that they're going to be accepted for who they are and all the parts that they are does that make sense that that makes sense and i also think that one of the reasons why community is down is because it's a lot easier to find community online these days too mm. and you can find different online communities that cater to different parts of who you are. Like, right. I, I don't know how many young people are listening to this, but I know my little sister has like Discord chats with hundreds of online friends she's never actually met. I know a lot of people that like are part of like certain Reddit subreddit feeds mm-hmm. that they feel are part of their community. And it's just like, you don't need to search for a physical community anymore. I right. feel like, especially as my friends are getting older, they're like, yeah, you have like a core of like four or five friends and then that's it. They get the rest of their community niche somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that's that's different in the Jewish community. I, I go to certain Jewish community events. There, there's like multiple each week. And it's always like the same kinds of people, same groups of people. I see the same people like three or four times a week at all these different events. And I know I have a community. And I just can't imagine if I moved to a new city, as, as you're about to do, it, you're right. What what kind of events are you going to fill your time with? Are you going right. to go to work-centric events, Coptic events? It, it's just one of those things of building a community that's really intimidating. Right. Um, what do you make of the money uptick? So back in 1998, 31% of people said that they really cared about money. Now it's up 43%, uh, mm. up to 43. What do we make of that? Um, I make of that, that there's less money that actually matters in that money is so inflated that you need much more of it to stay afloat. Right. Um, and, and and we were talking about this earlier. Like, it, it's very easy to be like, well, people are greedy. I literally said it earlier in this episode. Yeah. People are more self-centered and they want more money and they want to better their position. But it's more like, if you don't have money anymore, like, you, you can't just make do. There's no way to make do. Right. Money is worth a lot less than it was worth in the past, which is why we stress the value of having it so much more mm-hmm. because you really need it. Um, I mean, price of eggs, like that was the biggest meme, but it's something that's really significant and we should all be worried about why were we talking about eggs? Do you remember when gas was $7 a gallon right. a couple of months ago? That's crazy. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. What, what about you? So I'm seeing a lot of and I will say this very carefully, uh, some of the older generations commenting on this poll are kind of agreeing with you and saying, you know, like, all these kids care about is money and having the best place and and doing all these things. And they really see uh, a problem with the value us young people, and I'm I'm being very divisive here, but stay with me, um, place on money. And I think there's a little bit of that to it, but it's not the whole picture. I think when young people, people trying to build a life are thinking about money. It's very, very different. Um, You could have a lot of money. You could be making, you know, above the poverty line, 60K a year and still be living paycheck to paycheck, especially in these larger cities where in New York, if you're trying to get a one, two bedroom apartment, like you're paying thousands of dollars per month. Mm-hmm. You're not surviving on on what is livable wage or what was livable wage back then. Uh, inflation's a big problem. And you just need a lot more money to do the basic things that you would have done 30, 40 years ago. The American dream has become 
almost impossible. And that's like the thing that made America America was this American dream that was reachable. You could come here, work really hard for a couple of years, buy a house for $30,000, have a couple of kids, live in a one income household with your spouse mm -hmm. and, and be happy. Like that was very, very within reach. And now it seems like, you know, we, I told Della this term and it made her laugh, but dink, double income, no kids. That's That seems like the thing that has become popular. Two people working, no children, double income, and they're still living paycheck, paycheck to paycheck. And that's very disturbing. I think the stat is 61% of Americans now are living paycheck to paycheck. And that should just not be the case. Um, so I think the increase of uh, people caring about money or putting more value on earning more money is not superfluous. It's not just because we care about money. It's because you need it to survive. Yeah. I remember, and I've told this story so many times, when we moved to the U.S., my dad was working and getting paid $7.25 an hour, 40 hours a week, and he was supporting five people, him, his wife, and three children. I cannot imagine what somebody making minimum wage now, how they're surviving, especially if they have children. Like, it's especially living in a city like New York or D.C. or Chicago or, like, all these big cities where the cost of living is just shot up tremendously. It's hard. And and then you add in factors in, in like housing and, and food aside, like college, that used to be a thing that yeah. was within reach. We both went to school here in New York yep. to decent schools, what, $70,000, $80,000 a year? Yep. If you went to a four-year degree, undergraduate degree, you're graduating with more than half a million, more than a quarter million dollars in debt, then there's just no way in hell you're going to be able to pay mm -hmm. with whatever job you're making. And all these things factor in, like you can't help but think, like there is a reason for care more more value being placed on money. Am I am I being fair? No, I, th I think you're fair, especially like for example, like the thirty thousand dollar number, right? Like yeah. back in the day, you can buy a house with thirty thousand dollars. Nowadays, you can't rent an apartment in Manhattan <laughs> yeah. for one year with thirty thousand dollars. Right, and and that's a crazy thing to think about. And um, you know, I want to I want to touch on something you said when your family came here with the minimum wage salary back then. You could support a family with with four kids, right, or, or three kids. Nowadays, if you look at the poll, very few people want to have kids. I think mm. that there was like a, a good 30% drop in the amount of people right. that said having children is a value. And I think that money is a very big part of that. I think that a lot of people are saying, if I'm not even responsible for myself, if I can't even <laughs> hold myself afloat, how am I supposed to care for another child? Um, or, or, you know, suddenly make my life about someone else. But there's a lot of reasons. I, I, I want to talk about children. There's a lot of reasons why people are putting less value on having children because I've spoken to a lot of my friends that have these views too. Right. Um, for me, obviously, it makes me sad because I want to be a mom really badly, soon, hopefully, when God wants. <laughs> I don't know. Send me a man. Um, I want to have children very badly. And that's something that, of course, my community uh, has always valued. Right. And then when I found friends that didn't want to have kids, I had to sit down and say, how? Why? And outside of the economic reasons, um, a lot of people said global warming. They said mm -hmm. the planet's dying. Why am I bringing a child to die along with it? Um, a lot of people said like overpopulation. They said there's already so many kids in the world. We don't need to populate it with more. You might as well adopt. I have a lot of friends that are deathly afraid of childbirth. Just the, the idea of childbirth is something that scares them, um, which, you know, talking to any woman, they'll tell you it's it's, you know, worth the hype, I guess. <laughs> it's very scary. Um, but there's there's all these different reasons which bring me a lot of sadness because none of them are invalid. But at the same time, maybe I, I have some innate motherhood in me that I just feel I need to have kids. 
But I, I can't imagine having, like if being asked if someone says, hey, is having kids important to you? And I say an outright no. Yeah. It, and it's, I find that that answer is more frequent among our generation and, mm-hmm. and even younger generations. And the reasons are valid. Like global warming is a valid reason. Overpopulation is a valid reason. You know, kids getting shot up in schools on a weekly bi-weekly basis is a very valid reason. The world is becoming harder to navigate, more difficult to deal with, and we've just, it's its overcomplicated. I don't know if overcomplicated is the right word, but it's its hard living in this world, and it's both cold and lonely and hot and overcrowded, and it's both <laughs> happening, <laughs> and it, what, what sense do we make of this? Um, Back to this point that I I've made in another episode. Um, so I wanna I wanna zoom out of, of on this poll um, and remind people of this great quote that I love to to mention and throw in all the time. There's lies, big lies, then there's statistics. Um, what is this poll missing? What are the values that weren't shown that impact how we look at this poll? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And um, like you said. When you look at the poll, um, statistics don't lie. And you said it's, you know, cold and hot and lonely and expensive all at the same time. But one value I didn't see on the poll being tested for is the value of equality or mm. the value of justice or the fa- value of acceptance, right. which are all the words we talk about now. It was so little Im- of little importance back then to test those values that they weren't even tested right? It didn't even make it onto the poll. No one said, well, how important is equality for you? How important is justice for you? And right now, if that was tested, I think those numbers would be way up there. They'd be way high. So I think that when you look at the values that were tested, right, like patriotism and having children, maybe those values are on the low. But values that weren't even on our radar back then are right now at an all-time high. And and again, I, I think that that speaks volume. So from these polls, yes, it looks like an angry, lonely, expensive world, <laughs> but maybe it's a world that's striving for something different. Mm. It's not better or worse, but maybe it's a world striving for something different. What a great note to end this conversation on. That was <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and, and that's the whole point of this conversation is that it's important to have the conversation. Like, mm-hmm. we look at these numbers, let's figure out why they exist, what they mean, the underlying causes of them, and then find a way to move past them. Or, or rather, take them into account as we progress with our lives, not just be angry about them and continue to live as we live. If community matters to you and you see that community is on the rise, do something. Join a community. Build a community. If you think that it's a bad thing that people wanting to have children's on the low, Go have a bunch of kids. Like, oh, I'm on it. Do so- <laughs> Adela's going to check those I'm numbers. I'm going to overpopulate But the important thing is to realize that this tells us a lot about where we are as a country, where we are as a nation, and where we need to go. And if you care about any of these things, we urge you to do something about it. Come talk to us. Like, Take action in a way that is productive to your community and yourself. So this poll really says a lot about where we are as a country, where we are as a nation, where we are as a population. And it's important that we have the conversations about this poll, address the things that we want to change within our own community, within our own society, within our own nation, and take actionable, like write down actual items you want to do. If you think community is on the low, join a community or build a community that you think adds value to yourself and to the people that you care about. Um, And that's why we started the show, because we saw all these things before the poll even came out. We saw that religion was being talked about almost always in a negative connotation. Mm -hmm. We saw that community was on the low. We saw that our peers were, were not wanting to have kids and build families. And we wanted to not tell people what to do, but to show people the option. Like being a mom is a beautiful thing and our society has turned it upside down on its head and made it this weird, evil, convoluted thing. And we wanted to 
tell people that it's not what that is. Like that's, that's a facade that we've made up. Um, so a year in, a little over a year in, three seasons in of this show, we're prepping for season four to give you more of this wonderful content, um, learning with you as, as you guys learn from us. Um, Adela, how are you feeling? What are you thinking? What have you learned uh, from this show? How, has, how have you changed in the past year? Honestly, the more we talk about it, every time we prepped for an episode, came up with a topic, and the more I talked about my community, I realized how lucky I was to have that community, how proud I am to have that community, and and really every experience I have, I owe to having that community. And, and we talk a lot about the drawbacks of gro- growing up in smaller communities, you know, maybe some communities that have certain values that don't align with us and making sense of it all, but Overall, it's really made me realize that I am who I am because of it. And Mm. I talk about this podcast in literally every conversation I have. I feel like an ambassador, not just for the podcast, but for anyone who grew up in a community, anyone who's a little bit American-ish. And I really do feel changed. I I also feel like, if anything, I learned to think a little bit more. Mm. Um, I learned just that, you know, when an issue comes up, instead of just being like, oh, that's an interesting poll, I'm like, oh, well, we should talk about this on the podcast. Right. And it's not just about like, oh, this is an episode. It's more about, well, what do I think about this, if that makes any sense? Yeah, Um, it does. And like coming up with what you think. Sometimes you you don't have a thing to think. Sometimes we pray for an episode and you'd be like, did you hear about this? And I'm like, yeah. And you're like, okay, like, what do you think? And I'm like, I did I it. Don't have- <laughs> so it's it's very interesting that, you know, having a podcast and, and, you know, being on the search for content also makes you exercise a certain muscle. So that's that's how I feel that, um, you know, I've grown since then in, in a sense. What about you? We're going to sound like such broken records, but it's it's a weekly reminder of the things that matter when we're talking about, you know, what, what do we want to talk about this week on the podcast? Um, we really dig deep to like, what are the things affecting ourselves, our communities, the people we care about, our families, the country. And it's a, a, like just a flashing red sign saying like community, community, community over and over again. Um, so that's something that I've just had the pleasure of being reminded by every single week. Um, how am I different? I think a year ago, I really did not place enough emphasis on the power of storytelling mm. and the power of education and the power of you and I just sitting here and like talking smack for an hour every week. Like there's a lot of learning that happens. And we, you know, we argue, we push back against each other. We, I, I see things from your angle. You see things from my, where I'm coming from. Um, the research that goes into a lot of these episodes, it's just, it's all like so beautifully overwhelming for me and such a huge learning experience that I, I, can't help but feel <laughs> humbled by it. Um, and another thing in in just how I've grown or how I've changed is if anybody, if you've ever had like a one-on-one conversation with me and I, we've talked about the show, we've talked about this podcast, the first thing I'll say to you is like how I'm com- uncomfortable I am in front of the camera on a mic, especially every week. Like that was a big hurdle for me to get over at the beginning of this. Um, and I think a year plus from where we started, I think I really understand the value of learning to be comfortable in your uncomfortableness and, mm. and you know, seeing something as scary and uncomfortable and doing it anyway because there's value to it. Um, the fact that I get to sit here and tell all these wonderful people about what it means to be a copt, how I'm coptic, how I fail at being coptic every week, and then people get to comment, like, what is a copt? And what do you guys do? How are you different from Catholics? Like, that is such a privilege and an honor. 
And although it made me very uncomfortable, and it still does in so many weird ways, every single week I find a different way to be uncomfortable, I understand that it's important for myself, for my own personal growth, for my community. And that's what we, I feel like we are in in a very like humble way, ambassadors for our communities and for every single shade of American-ish. Like we have Greek Americans, African Americans, like every single person that is American and another thing comments and says like, I share that experience. I share that feeling. And it's so good hearing somebody, you know, actually spend time vocalizing it and putting it into words. And that's been so beautiful. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And on the flip side, you're saying that you learned to speak through your discomfort. <laughs> right. I learned to listen through my discomfort because we all know that I'm very comfortable on the microphone and on the camera. And um, it's one thing that I've always loved. And I thought that to be a good advocate, to be a good ally, I should be speaking. And it's the exact opposite. I learned that sometimes it's not even sometimes, but it's very important to listen. And it's something that I had a lot of trouble with. And it's something that I've learned here. Um, so I want to thank you for that. Thank yeah. You. Oh, my God. Thank you for speaking so I can listen. <laughs> and we're, we're each other's crutches in a lot of way. Like, this is still, you know, just two people sitting down talking. Like, sometimes I won't want to talk a lot one week. And I'll lean on Adela to talk and to say, honestly, vocalize what I'm feeling. And, and some days, like, I'll tell you, like, hey, I have a lot on my mind. There's a lot going on inside my brain this week. I really need to get this out. Can you help me put these words together to make a coherent thought? And that's what, like, being partners oh, <laughs> is like. I love that. Yeah. Well, that's actually one of the things I wanted to get to was we talk so much about community and about the impact community has had on us. But what do you feel um, the show has had on our community? What kind of impact have we made on the community and the community made on our show? Right. Great question. Um, there's so many more people that know what cops are. So if, if nothing else, if, you know, I walk out of here and I get hit by a car, I feel oh, like I've accomplished a little bit of my life goal, which is to raise awareness about my people. Like people don't know what cops are. It's, it's not even a word that's in a lot of people's vocabularies. Like mm -hmm. Egyptian Christians is what I try to, to hit them with first. So I can like, okay, I know what an Egyptian is. I know what a Christian is. I can, you know, put two and two together. So the fact that more people are learning about my community and learning their struggles and how they've endured for 2,500 years and they continue to endure that's a huge win for me personally and professionally. Um, the fact that people ask questions is really fun for me. Like when I when we get questions on TikTok, sometimes they're mean, but when they're not, <laughs> it's really fun to answer them. And it's really cool to see people engage. Um, when cops come to talk to me about the show, it's such a interesting spectrum of responses. Some people are really closed off. They're like, why are you doing this? Like, why are you talking to people about us? And that's just the nature of being a minority and a thimmy, like a second class citizen in your home country. Like you don't stay close to the wall. You don't yeah. talk about anything. You just keep it moving um, for the sake of survival. Um, and other people are like, wow, like, oh my God, like I've never seen a cop talk to a Jew, nonetheless a Sephardic Jew. Like that's exciting. That's that's why this show is so mm -hmm. exciting. Now I'm getting too excited. Um, so that's I, I the latter question of like how has the community affected the show? I don't have a good answer for. I think that's what I'm hoping to get answers to looking forward to season four and beyond. But I would love for more cops not only to listen but to engage. Like reach out to me, tell me what you want to hear me talk about. What is it being a cop mean to you? And how is how are you navigating being a cop in Australia, in Italy, in the U.S. and and how are you doing it? How about you? What is what is the Sephardic Jewish community of the Upper East Side feel about this show? Well, mainly the one in Brooklyn is the one that's that's in my circle. Ah, uh, yes, yes. But um, yeah, I mean, 
a lot of feedback, phenomenal feedback. Everyone's like, I see you on the show. Really good job. I'm like, yeah, thank you. They're like, yeah, you talked about your grandma. I'm like, yeah, I did. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, so it's it's really great feedback I've been getting from from the show itself, but the community um has had like the the okay, one second. So there's been a lot of, you know, like good feedback on the show. But the most important thing to me has been how comfortable people in the community have felt reaching mm. out to me about things. Um, especially younger kids who are going through difficult things. So, for example, I always talk about how proud I am to be a Syrian Jew, right? But our community, as much as I love it, is a very rough community to be in, especially if you're mm. a little bit different. So um, since we've started the show, I've gotten so many DMs from kids who are going through, you know, some sort of struggle or, you know, either if it's about conversion, about being LGBTQ in the Syrian community. And they'll say things like, you know, I really was so turned off by the Syrian community, but hearing you talk about it and, and your passion for it and, and acknowledge its drawbacks, like it's making me realize I don't have to like either wholeheartedly accept or wholeheartedly reject. I can appreciate parts of it while understanding that it has its drawbacks. Right. And um, one of my favorite things was uh, one kid who actually, he reached out to me and he was like, you made me proud to be Syrian again. Aww. And I was like, that's amazing. That's amazing. And I, I'm not saying that this is like a wave of children who are messaging me. That's that's not it. <laughs> but, you know, just getting like a couple of DMs every month or so, um, from people going through things like this or like running into someone being like, hey, you're doing great work with the show. That's that's what I've been feeling um, because sometimes all it takes is someone to say what everyone's been thinking. And I feel like that's what I was able to do with the show. And like you said, not a lot of people are down with it, but a lot of people are. And especially for people who are vulnerable in the community, they've been feeling very comfortable reaching out. So that's been my favorite experience for the show. Uh, what has been your favorite thing about building this. I actually want to ask you, do you have a favorite message that you've gotten from somebody that you've like worked through an Americanish identity over messages? Oh, that's, I, I don't know if I have a favorite message, but I have a favorite TikTok. Okay. Um, <laughs> Tell me about it. I have two favorite TikToks. One of them, when we're like, when you try to explain that you're a Coptic Christian and a Sephardic Jew on a podcast and we're mm -hmm. like, I am ready, ready to, to give. give up. Okay. So that TikTok obviously went, did super well. But if you look at all the comments on that one, every single one of them, like there's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comments and all of them are like, oh my God, me too. Oh my God, me too. Or like, mm -hmm. you know, or like, you know, uh, Italian Muslim here or like blah, blah, blah here. And like all these people are like coming out of the woodworks, like right. they're outing themselves as Americanish. And I, I loved that. And my second favorite is like where it's like, um, you know, the where are you from? And it's like, I can't believe I'm still having this conversation. Right. I, I forgot the exact format of it, but also same thing, the comments. So I, I can't say I have a specific favorite, but I have a favorite TikTok because every time I'm like, are people actually Americanish? Just scroll through the comments. Yeah. People are actually Americanish. More often than not. More they often are. than not. Yeah. Um, that's a great favorite TikTok. So now I have to think of my favorite one. Um, how about <laughs> some favorite moments from from the past year or couple months actually season three what do you think oh, favorite moments of season three? Oh my god the asbury revival if you haven't listened to our episode on the asbury revival i felt revived the asbury <laughs> revival i'm gonna give you a very very short summary was um in kentucky a phenomenon where suddenly all these people in the small college town suddenly felt like the presence of god and everyone starts like praying together and singing together and then hundreds of people come from around the world and people come down from canada and singapore and everyone's worshiping together and they all feel like the spirit and i'm doing it again i felt so amped 
I felt pumped. I'm not even Christian and I'm not <laughs> planning to be Christian at any point. I'm the proudest Jew, but I wanted to be part of the revival. And I felt like I was in that moment when we were recording that episode, I was like, God is here. Yeah. God, is, God is over Riverside right now with me and Mariam. I, I felt that, I felt that hard. So that was one of my favorite moments of last season. What about you? The Americanish revival of 2023. We got to make a Wikipedia page. Dude, I felt like I needed to preach. I felt you like were I preaching. It was amazing. You, she was explaining, Adele was explaining the, the sermon that this preacher gave in this church that amped up this revival, that started this revival in Kentucky. And she was describing the, the sermon, but she was actually sermoning. She was <laughs> preaching the sermon as well. And I was like, well, okay, I guess we're going to Kentucky for Adela to keep this going strong. In another life, I was a pastor. I'm That's right. <laughs> yes. Um, I have a lot of favorite moments. I think... So earlier this season, or maybe it was season two, we released an episode on the hijab. And mm. because it was like the beginning of the Iranian revolution, um, I have a very deep and personal relationship with the hijab. And it wasn't necessarily a good relationship. Um, and we did an episode on it. And I was very honest. And it was a very vulnerable episode. And it was one of those moments where I was like really scared of it coming out and people not liking it, which a lot of people didn't like it, but a lot of people did like it. We had so many unkind comments mm -hmm. on so many platforms and it was really hard for me and I try I think we both try to not look at comments and we let somebody else handle the social media side of things um but it was hard not to because it's a deeply personal story and like things hurt when people say them you might just be typing them on the screen but you know this isn't newsflash so anyway we decided to do a follow-up episode to answer a lot of the questions that people were asking on TikTok or on Instagram and uh I was in Armenia at the time for work and I remember like we were really trying to get this episode recorded so it can get edited and we could go out as soon as possible. So there wasn't like a huge like two week waiting period between the first one and the second one. And I think it was like 4 a.m. I was in my hotel room in Armenia, like in a bathrobe, like looked awful as ever. And <laughs> Adele and I are trying to get the Wi-Fi to work in Armenia. <laughs> She's in back in New York. Or were you in yeah, Mexico I or something? I, I don't remember, but yeah, we yeah. were on opposite sides of the world on Riverside trying to record this episode. And every like few minutes it would cut out and we'd have to like reignite ourselves and get that same vigor and passion to make sure our point was getting across. Um, that's, that's definitely a favorite memory of mine. I think I think we had a lot of favorite memories that we also like spoke with the Israeli consul general. Mm -hmm. like, that was really cool. We started getting recognized. I went to Sugarfish the other day. <laughs> I was like on a date with a guy and this girl comes up to me and she's like, I thought I recognized you. Like you're from Americanish. I wasn't sure if it was you, but then I saw you post on your story and I'm like, oh my gosh, is that Sugarfish? It's definitely <laughs> her. And that's why you should post on social media so your fans know where you are. <laughs> no, but that it's it's crazy. Like I've been getting recognized at weddings, obviously in school, at parties. They're like, oh, you're the end semitism girl and i'm like woo you know like it's fun yeah and i know you've been recognized too i got recognized a couple times and it's a very weird interaction <laughs> always it's never like you think it's gonna be um so i was recognized at trader joe's a couple months ago then i was recognized on church on christmas which is a funny story i'll get to that in a sec and then on the amtrak train going from dc to new york so all three times were very awkward the church one um it was on christmas uh cop to christmas so january 6th not December 25th. And um, anybody who's ever been to church on Christmas, or rather any person of faith that's ever been to a place of worship on a big mm. holiday, you know it's like Game of Thrones to get a seat. Especially if you walk in halfway through, like you're fighting for your right to be there. <laughs> so I walked in late, I will admit. Again, bad copped. Um, I walked in late and I was on the hunt for a seat. 
and I was just like trying to see who's leaving, who has the babies that's about to cry. And this woman comes up to me in the middle of mass and I'm trying to like find a seat. And I hope you're listening because it was lovely to meet you. Um, <laughs> but she really wants to like talk and you know, oh, I, I watched the show, like great job for what you do with the community. And I'm so laser focused on finding the seat that I'm I like retrospectively, I think I was rude, but I didn't mean to be. I just wanted a seat at church on Christmas. So if you're watching, thank you so much for coming they to say hi. They should have had a seat reserved for you. It should have said Mariam from American <laughs> our cop ambassador. That's what it should have said. I want to definitely send that request to the Patreon. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Um, and then you recognized Amtrak. Amtrak. On the train. You know, I was recognized on Amtrak, and I think he listens because he says he's a big fan. Um, and then I saw him the next day in New York. It was such a weird... <laughs> and it was at the Software Center. Oh, there we go. Yeah, there we go. Good that's place. where the Sephardic Jews congregate. <laughs> that's that's our hub. Yeah. That was a great experience. Um, I'd say we had a really good run. And, you know, as we're wrapping up season three and as you prepare for your move, I'm sure everyone's wondering what's next. Yes, we have uh, some very, very exciting news. Um, but before we get to the news, we kind of want to tell you some of the things that have been happening behind the scenes. So as you know, you get one episode a week from us, which has been so wonderful. Um, but one of the biggest challenges we've had with this format is that we always have so much to talk about. We're always, there's always competing like, okay, we have to address this, this, and this, but we only have 45 minutes. We have to squeeze everything in, but we have to research, etc. cetera. Um, so moving forward, you'll be getting more content from us, which is exactly what you've been asking for. So every week you'll still hear from us. Um, one week you'll hear from me with more current news, uh, Middle East stuff, all that good stuff that usually we do at the beginning of the episodes. And every other week you'll hear from Adela and you'll be getting to meet somebody from a community you've probably never heard of. So a Baha'i, a Zoroastrian, a Yazidi, all these beautiful shades of Americanish, all that spectrum that we talk to you about. Uh, we want to show it off. And that's what makes this community that we're building so special is because it's so diverse and so different. Um, so that's what you'll be getting from us in season four. You'll still be getting the same great content, the same great topics, just more of it and more frequently. A hundred percent. And now that we are wrapping up season three, we have a lot of people that we want to thank. First off, we want to thank uh, Daniela, who brought us together and kicked off everything that is now Americanish. Yeah. We want to thank Rachel, who was on our team. We want to thank Bilal, who did phenomenal editing for us. We want to thank Vienna, who's our manager, who we literally cannot live without no, at all. I talked to her more than my mom. <laughs> <laughs> and we want to thank Haywood, our current editor, all of the guests that we've had, and of course, the entire team at WTF Media. Wolf, who has been our producer for our episodes we do here in studio. And I want to thank Mariam for being a phenomenal partner in this and for making me excited to talk about this on air every week. Absolutely. Right back at you. Our friends and family who support us like no other, who are our champions in every way possible and, and a lot of uh, the reason we continue to do this every week. Um, so thank you so much. And of course to you guys. Thank you to our listeners who have joined us every week, who comment on social media, who interact with us, who send us those messages that we say, wow, this is amazing. We should keep going. So really thank you to everyone who's made this happen. And we're so excited to see you on season four. See you soon. <laughs>